Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. So with that, let's, let's go ahead and just pray into the service here. Let's pray as the Word comes forth. Father, we thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you that He's the one who leads us and guides us into all truth. And without Him, there's no teaching that gets done. There's nothing valuable that comes forth outside of, of the Holy Spirit. And so we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to, today. Father, we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. We, we, we speak over our eyes and we call them to be opened. We call our ears to be opened. We call our hearts to be softened to, to the Holy Spirit today. Father God, it's not what comes forth out of my lips that are, that's important. It's what comes forth from the heart of the Father into our hearts. And so, Father, right now, I just thank you, Lord God. You've already seen this day before the foundation of the earth. You already saw this and you saw everybody that was going to be here and you saw everybody who's going to be listening online and you've already ordained and spoken something. Father, and we enter into that. We enter into what's already been spoken for today. Father God, we don't add anything to it and we don't take anything away from it. We just enter into that which is eternal. It's already been settled in heaven. And I thank you, Father God. Yeah, glory to God. Father, there's peace in that. There's joy in that, Father God. There's rest in that. Praise God. That's the only thing we need. And that's the only thing that our identity cries out for. And so I thank you right now, Lord God. We enter into that right now. Praise God. God. We loose anything else, Father God, that is trying to be in, in, hinder us from receiving the fullness. And we call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, that's a good place just to end right there. That's good, good stuff. Um, so, as I was saying, when, we, when I got into this and the Lord said, well, this, is, uh, this church, Faith, Hope, Love, is a, it's a judge in the earth. And, uh, okay, I just began to pray into that. That's, no, okay, you know, I'm not arguing, I just don't understand, you know. And so, uh, uh, so I, I began to look into some things and just pray into it. And, uh, and he, of course, led me uh, over to the book of Judges. And if, let's go over to the book of Judges in chapter 2 and uh, verse 18. And you understand that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And so when he actually, when he, when he uh, uh, basically instills things into the earth, he doesn't take them back. They're, they're, they're always going. They just, they're, 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 their manifestation might change. Uh, the, the facet in which they flow might change a little bit. But the, the anointing of it is still in the earth. And so in, in Judges in chapter 2 and verse 18, it says, And when the Lord raised up judges for them, talking about the nation of Israel, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of the, those who oppressed them and harassed them. So the role of the judge was when Israel would come under oppression because of, well, because of their own sin, but still the enemy would come and oppress them, would steal from them, and, and just basically hinder their lives from being uh, uh, prosperous. And God would raise up judges. And it says here, what, the, the, the role of the judge was somebody that God raised up, and there was an anointing on that person to actually free Israel from oppression and to actually realign Israel to the covenant that they had with God. That's what a judge does. A judge is somebody who, who actually comes in God's eyes. God, God put, now we, we know the stories of, of Gideon and, and, and Barak and Deborah and, and Samson. If you read the book of Judges, you find out one of the things, if you read just the first couple chapters of Judges, he, he highlights several of the judges in the first couple chapters. And he says, like for instance, he would say, oh, you know, after, after this judge uh, freed Israel from the oppression of this certain group, it says, and Israel would have rest for 40 years. And then Israel would have rest for 80 years. And Israel would have rest for 30 years. The goal is rest. Yeah, yeah, that's good. The goal is where there's no more threat. The goal is where, where you actually come into a place of such security that you have no perceived threat from an enemy. It's a good place to be. <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's God's goal. God's goal is not that we fight the enemy all the time. God's goal is not the victory. God's goal is the rest. Yeah, that's good. That's right. A lot of times we're all battle-minded because we think there's always an enemy to fight. God's goal is not for us to be battle-minded. He says enter into the rest of the Lord. Praise God. He's a labor to enter into that rest. Rest is available. Where we're not just battle-minded all the time. We're not enemy-conscious all the time. We're not always under perceived threat all the time. It's, always, it's not always, oh, what do I need to get after now? It's like, let's just rest. How about that? 
Can we just like rest? Judges are what actually institute rest. Judges are what actually allow rest to come in. Okay, a judge. Now, um, let's, let's look at a couple of verses here. Uh, uh, Genesis 18. One of the things that, that, um, that, uh, that judges do is uh, to institute rest, to institute, institute actually, actually enable God's people to, to walk in what they're supposed to walk in. What they do is they actually carry justice with them. And here in Genesis 18, he's talking about Abram, Abraham. It says, verse 18, Since Abraham surely shall become a great nation and a mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I have known him, verse 19, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Notice God says, I know Abraham. One of the things that Abraham's going to carry is justice. He's going, to, he's going to speak to his children about justice. He's going to actually allow justice to come in. He goes, this is why I've called Abraham, because I know his heart. God has a desire for justice in the earth. Let's look at a couple of verses here. Um, uh, 2 Samuel 8 and verse 15. And here it says, So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered judgment and what? Justice, Justice to all of his people. And he was a man after God's own heart, right? Yes. And so we see, uh, once again, and now look at another one there in, in uh, 1 Kings, in chapter 10, in verse 9. It says, Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne. He was talking about Solomon. This is what he was talking about. Talking about Solomon. Because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore he made you king to do what? Justice, Justice and righteousness. Justice is so important to God. Yeah. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there, there's a lot in it. And there in verse 4, and he says, uh, let me get over here. That's pretty small. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can make it out. Praise God. It says, it says, no one calls for justice. Notice what God, he's talking, to the, he's talking about the world before Jesus. He's, he's, ta- he's looking at the earth, and he's, he's talking about how the earth is before Jesus comes. And, and he says, no one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They, they, they trust in empty words and speak lies. Does this sound familiar right now? I, I don't know if that you know, rings a bell. But uh, it says, they conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. Now, if you skip down a few verses there, verse 9. It says, therefore, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but, there is, but it's darkness, for brightness, but it's only blackness. We grope at the wall like the blind. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's saying this is what happens when the world is without justice. Yeah. Verse 14, it says, justice is... Okay, and that, one, that one's a little bit harder for me. Here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I can could, I could look behind me. It says, justice is turned back. And righteousness stands afar off, for truth has fallen in the straight, and equity cannot enter. Notice how many times God's calling for justice. He doesn't even call for mercy in this whole chapter. Mercy's not even mentioned anywhere in this chapter. We think a lot of times that God looked at the earth without sin, and He wanted mercy in the earth. He didn't. He wanted justice. Now, the mercies of God are new every day, praise God. But that's not what this is about. This is about justice. Justice is different. Justice, when we think of justice, and I was just, just doing some, some prayer and some study on justice, because I want to know what God means when He says it. Now, turn, uh, before I get into Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7, um, now this, uh, this is about Jesus, and it says, uh, And of the increase of His government and peace there will be no end, upon the throne of David and over His kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He's talking about Jesus. Right, this is verses six and seven is what we read at Christmas time. You know, for unto us a child is born. Yes. You know, this is what he's talking about. Yeah. And he goes, Hey, justice is going to be a part of Jesus' ministry. He's going to bring justice. And uh, and so it's funny because as I was like once again, as I was praying into this and studying on it and and I was thinking about, well, we tend to have definitions that don't line up with God. You know, God has a definition that's truth. We have a de- definition usually that's cultural. And what we have to do is we have to change our definitions. There's not one definition that I can take from this world that's accurate. There is n- because there's no truth in the world. There's only ideas, there's opinions, there's cultural concepts, there's perceptions, but there's no truth. God is truth, right? His word is truth. 
Okay, but understand that, that when we come into the Word of God and we come into the things of God, we carry cultural definitions with us. And so when God says something, we attach what He said to our cultural definition and we go, oh, that's my, that must be what He means by this. That's not usually what He means by this. We have to change our definitions. And there's not one word that is actually absent of that need. Every word I, I have in my vocabulary has to be submitted to the definition God has not to my cultural definition. Okay? And this, this takes something because we tend to think that we know what, we're, that what God's talking about. And we don't. Ever. <laughs> I just don't. I have, to, I have to say, okay, what do you mean by that, Father? And, uh, and not come in with an assumed uh, definition. And so when it comes to justice, because I know, I know in my mind, when I think of justice, I think of... Okay, you know, it's like, I think of punishing the enemy. I think of retribution. I think of evil, you know, being taken care of in a way that will satisfy my fleshly desire against them. You know, that's what I think of justice, right? Does that make, does that ring true with anybody? See, there's a cultural definition we have of justice that says, yeah, justice. <laughs> you know, and it's just this thing. Well, I know God's heart is not that. So I need to change my definition. And so uh, I just, I, I, I was, uh, I was praying about it and I began to look up some stuff and I was like, okay, what is, I just, just went and Googled some stuff and, like, and I, I study a lot of the ancient Hebrew stuff and different things like that. And, and in the Judaic community, in the, the ancient Jewish community, uh, justice has really nothing to do with retribution. Now, it, it, that, that might be a byproduct, but it, that's not the goal of justice. In, in, the, in, the, in the context of the ancient Judaic community, when they think of the word justice, they don't think of people of wrongdoing basically being punished. It's not punishment-oriented. It has to do with a cultural concept where rightness right. is the standard of the community. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Where people, when they think of justice, they think of people actually getting their mind right to the point where they know that their role with others is to do right. right that's good. Yeah. So that instead of people coming against each other and on self-profit and everything else being in charge, it's my understanding of my relationship with you is to do right by you. Yeah. And your relationship to me is to do right by me. And justice in, in ancient Judaic customs is a culture and a society where everybody does right by each other. That's yeah, that's heaven. Amen. That sounds like kingdom. See, that's justice. See, anything outside of that is unjust. Anything outside of right being done one to another is unjust. Because it's not how we're designed to live. So when God sees evil happening, of course we know sometimes punishment has to happen, but the goal of God is not to punish, the goal of God is to make it right. The goal of God is to, to, to have, allow such healing to come in, such wholeness to come in, such rightness to come in, that not only does the victim get restored to the place of wholeness, but the one who per perpetrated the act is so whole and right that they would never do that again because they realize that's not their nature. See, justice is, is not about retribution. It's not about finally, you know, somebody getting their comeuppance. You know, this is about, uh, this is about rightness in a community where now suddenly, whoo, there's just peace. Mm. This is just, see now, when, this is just establishing love as the authority again. That's all it is. It's justice. Where Everybody in heaven right now is operating in justice. They're operating to their design. That's right. Can't say that on the earth, right? But God designed a way for justice to come in the earth. Yes. He designed a way, not just to punish everything that was wrong, but to make things right. And that's what brings peace, right? That's what brings joy. That's what brings rest, praise God. What, what does it look like when a society doesn't have justice? Look around, right? It, yeah, it's chaos. It's when right and good are not the standard anymore. It's when they're the, when they're the exception and not the rule. It's when, it's when oppression steals from people freely. This is, man, 
It's when self-profit is gain. It's when even the righteous strive and strive and strive, but don't end up with their harvest because it gets stolen from them. It's when we... It's when we, we um, uh, it's so interesting because it's in, 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 a, in a, a culture where there's no justice, prosperity and security come through self-ability instead of identity. Where we're always striving for things, we're always trying to produce something, and we're always trying to have to try to be more to try to get that thing instead of realizing who we are. And when there's justice, our identity is enough. And we just have rest. Where there's no perception of threat. That's where justice is. This is, the, this is what a judge does. This is what this church is designed to do. Institute just, justice into the earth. To create an environment of rightness. To actually allow God's rightness to come and actually have a seat of authority in a community. Do you feel that? I mean, there's... This is why we're here. Praise God. I'm not here to endure the earth. I'm here to reconcile it back to Jesus. And that that requires me to understand what justice is, and it requires me to understand my role in justice. But without justice, authority is just an illusion. Without justice, we can say we have authority, but we don't feel like we do. We We can agree with the word, but we actually look at everything as a threat to us instead of understanding our authority over those things. And so there's really no rest without authority. Because the oppressor thinks it can just do whatever it wants to do. This is, I mean, you understand, this is where we're at right now, right, in society. It's just a free-for-all. And the Bible says that wickedness will wax worse and worse, right? If you think the wickedness is going to get better, it's not. But guess what? But the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. Praise God. See, the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter until the noonday sun. Glory to God. See, I am not scared of, of something getting darker because I'm not in darkness. I am the light of the world because God's in me. Praise God. And so, uh, but uh, as, as I was getting into this, one of the things the Lord just brought up into my heart just uh, as I was just in prayer toward it just a few weeks ago, 1 Samuel chapter 17, an example of justice being enacted. And this is the account of David and Goliath. And, um, and this is, um, of course, where, where you know, David has has come up to the battle, he's heard the great swelling words of Goliath, you know, and all the nonsense that Goliath was speaking, and everybody, all the, all the warriors that are there to do battle are all like hiding in caves and, and behind rocks, and, uh, and David's like, what is going on? You know, it's like, what is up with this uncircumcised Philistine that he thinks he has the right to say anything about the armies of God? You know, and so he comes on. He's like, no, no, no. What? I love, I love David. He goes, and what's going to be given to the guy who slays this guy? <laughs> you know, it's like his first question is, no, what? What? Wait a minute here. What, yeah, what, what's in this for me here? Because I'm going to do it either way. But I just want to know what's mine. <laughs> you know, I love David. So, and that's that's a guy after God's own heart. You understand? <laughs> he's like, hey, what's in it for me? You know. But anyway, um, uh, once again, God likes to increase, right? And so. Uh, so Saul says to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took, out, uh, took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied, praise God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now, I love this. This is is somebody who walks up as as a young man, and he beholds injustice. Because he, he beholds somebody who doesn't have a covenant of God, threatening the people who do have a covenant with God. Yeah. And he says, this isn't right. Amen. And so he stands up. Now, what, what, what the Lord really pointed out to me was, um, we were actually sitting in a church service in, in Colorado, and somebody read part of this verse, 
and they weren't teaching on this, uh, but, but they read part of this verse, and something just jumped out at me as they were reading part of this verse. And I love this because here, David, he says, he says I know, I know what's going to happen right now because the Philistine is no different than the lion and, and the bear, right. right? He says this. They don't look alike, though, do they? Lions and bears and Philistines don't look alike. And yet he goes, this is the same principle. Amen. That's one very key thing to your life. Begin to look for the principles within the situation. Don't just look at the situation. Because situations can look different, but the principles are the same. Right. right? So he's like, listen, I, I know what's going to happen right now. Even though the lion and the bear are different, this is the same, same principle, same God, same everything. And he goes, I am very confident about what's going on because I learned something. I learned how God moves with the lion and the bear. And so he comes up, and uh, one of the things we have to understand, the lion and the bear, though, those are, in, in, in that day and age, and even in today's day and age, the lion and the bear in Israel were the two top predators, right? But they hunt very differently, don't they? A lion is stealthy, right? It, is, it, is, it attacks based on stealth, on speed, and on strength, but it's, it's very stealthy, right? It's, it's creeping up. It's, it's using the camouflage, doing all those things, right? It's doing these things, and it's, 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 it, but it's very fast, right? A lion comes up, it's fast. It's going to get the prey, it's going to be gone. This is the type of an attack that hits you from nowhere. You ever been there? You didn't see it coming. It just happened. You don't even know how. You don't even know where it came from. It's just like, hey, all I know is my sheep is gone. That's all I know. You know, I was sitting here minding my own business, and then suddenly something came and took something from me. You know, and we, we, there's crisis, there's tragedy, there's something that was taken, but it was done in a very stealthy way. It was done out of the blue. Yeah. Kind of blindsides you. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. Okay, that's one type of an attack. That's the lion. Now, the bear doesn't do it that way. A bear is not stealthy, right? <laughs> a bear is not stealthy at all, you know? It can try to hide behind a tree, but you'll still see it, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, no, I think there's a bear over there. See, it doesn't, it is not relying on stealth. It's, it's relying on pure brute force, right? It's literally, you can see it coming a long ways away. It's not trying to hide. Even if it tried, the brush would be moving back and forth because it's a big old bear. But the thing is, it's coming at you, and the thing is, it's, it's using brute force, and it's saying, listen, I'm strong stronger than you and bigger than you, and I'm going to do what I want to do, even if you see me coming. This is the type of attack that you saw coming, and you prayed and prayed and prayed, and you still didn't get the result. Have you ever been there? Where you saw it coming, and you prayed, and you confessed, and you spoke the word, but still, it came and got whatever it wanted. See, two types of attacks. But both of them had the same strategy against you. Number one, to steal whatever it is that you had. But number two, and the bigger strategy that it has, is to question your authority. The lion and the bear are trying to get you to be okay and accept the fact that things can steal from you whenever they want. The strategy of the lion and the bear is not just to come and take something from you, it's to breed a sense of injustice in you that you think it's okay. Even though you may hate it, you, you, it's like acceptable losses. It's like, well, you know, I mean, because of, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sure David's dad, you know, Jesse was probably like, hey, you know what? Sometimes lambs get taken. He was a shepherd. He'd been out there lots of times. He's like, oh yeah, I've had lots of sheep taken. I love David because it wasn't acceptable to him. Wasn't acceptable. Even though his dad, his granddad, his uncles, whoever, was like, oh no, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you're there and a lion comes, a bear comes, sometimes things happen, whatever. It's just sometimes life just happens. Not acceptable. Amen. That's unjust. Amen. And David was willing to say, no, no, no. I, you know, I love it because he, he, had to, he had to come against something that generationally was acceptable. He had to say within himself, something's not right here, and I have to do... Now, I love this because look, the strategy of the lion and the bear is to, to get you to sit down when the giant comes. How many of, how many of the warriors you know, in Israel came from families whose, whose sheep had been stolen? They were used to things being stolen from them, and so when a giant comes up, they just hide behind rocks. David didn't ever hide behind a rock. 
So he's like, no, there was a lion, there was a bear, and this is the same. And so their perception of the lion and the bear dictated how they treated the Philistine. David's perception of a lion and a bear dictated how he dealt with the Philistine. It's the same principle, just different faces. And so, um, but understand, this is the, 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 the strategy of these things is trying to get you and me to denounce our position of authority in our lives. Trying to get us to question who we are. Notice David's verbiage here. This is what caught my eye. And, and in verse 37, it says, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now, this is something that I thought was very interesting, is he used the word deliver. Once again, we need to redefine things. Because when I see the word deliver, what I usually think of is somebody being rescued from a helpless situation. Right? So when I, when I, when I see or hear the word deliver, I usually think of somebody who is like, just like, you know, getting hit by all kinds of stuff, crying out for deliverance, helpless against the situation and saying, God, please deliver me. And so they're just laying there being hit, being hit, being hit. And then God comes down with his mighty hand and delivers them. Does that kind of ring true? Was that David's actions, though? David said, the Lord delivered me at the, at the hand of the lion of the bear. But did he remain? Just Did he lay there when the, when the lamb was stolen? And just say, Lord, deliver me. There was a lion. Deliver me. No. He says, I got up. That's what I did. Yes. Now, see, in the, in the lion, the bear's eyes, the lion and the bear came through, and they thought they had done their job. They got past David somehow. They grabbed the, 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 the lamb. They took off. They have it in its mouth, and they're running away, and they think the victory is theirs. And David goes, no, it's not. It's not done until the righteous sit down. See, David, he said, God delivered me. But David's idea and understanding of deliverance was not most people's understanding of deliverance. He goes, the same way that, David, that God delivered me out of the paw of the lion, delivered me out of the paw of the bear, he's going to deliver me from this Philistine also. So did David sit down? When the, no. So he goes, if I don't sit down now, then God's delivering power will be available. Okay, let me get this here. Was God, does God ever change? Let me put it that way. Never changes. So his desire to deliver never changes, right? His power to deliver never changes, right? So his will and desire are always to deliver. His power is the same all the time. Then why don't we see deliverance all the time? Exactly right. Because we sit down. Because we don't have the right understanding of our role with deliverance. God's power to deliver was, was available, but not activated yet. Even, see, God's, God didn't deliver when the lion showed up. He didn't deliver when the lion approached David. He didn't deliver when the bear showed up and approached David. He didn't even deliver when the lion and the bear grabbed the, the lamb. He didn't deliver when they took off with the, lion, with, with the lamb in their mouth, right? When did he deliver? When David stood up. You see, God's delivering power is only activated. It's available all the time, but it's only activated when we actually stand up. See, it's activated. It's, it's available, but not activated until we do something. Amen. We think deliverance is us praying for deliverance. It's not. It's when we get up. Amen. When we understand our role. David said, hey, I got up. He's like, I literally, I had to get up. I had to go after something. And now, when he did that, he activated the, the, the delivering power of God. Amen. He goes, man, God delivered me out of the paw of the lion. When? When he got up. He went after it. A lot of times people are waiting for God to deliver them and God is waiting for you to get up. Because his delivering power is available. But it's not activated until we know who we are in the situation. 
Because when we know who we are, then we, we actually begin to initiate justice because we take our rightful place. If we're still waiting to be rescued by God, that's not our rightful place. Our rightful place is as children of the Most High God in this earth. Our rightful place is kings and priests. Our rightful place are as the ones in authority in this earth. But if we don't take that authority, then God's delivering power remains inactive in our life and we're waiting for Him to deliver us and He's waiting for us to step up because we haven't acknowledged our identity yet. When we reposition ourselves, we acknowledge our identity. We acknowledge who we are. And when we acknowledge who we are, we, we actually allow, not only does God's uh, delivering power show up, but now we actually we, we allow the anointing of reconciliation to happen in our lives so everything around us takes its place. Without us taking our place, nothing around us can take its place. But it requires some aggression to get justice into the earth. Do you know that the judges, if you go back through, read read the book of Judges, it was not passive. Gideon was not passive about what God told him to do. Samson was not passive, right? Uh, These were not passive situations. A judge in the earth is not passive. It's not about retribution. It's about enacting rightness. It's about enacting justice, but it's not passive. David was not passive about a lion and a bear. He's going, hey, I know that the, the same God who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the bear, he's, he's going to deliver me from this Philistine because I know I wasn't passive. And then we know, uh, oh my, this, I mean, there's so much in this. Um, a verse, oh, excuse me, let's go back here. Jump. I'll go down to, to, I don't know if I told you, did I give you verse 38 in that? Verse 48, excuse me? No? Okay, well, let me, let me read verse 48 in that. Um, back here and um, let me get there sometimes it takes a little bit okay it says and it came to pass verse 48 of 1 Samuel 17 it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine yeah. right? right he goes listen I know how God's deliverance power works I went after a lion. I went after a bear. Guess what I have to do right now? I have to go after it. Right? He ran to the giant. He ran to the giant. He was aggressive about something. And he was focused about his aggression. That's a big part. We can't just be, we can't just be aggressive about in a, general, a general idea of injustice. There are things that injustice is enacting in our community right now that are very specific. Very specific about, you know, obviously our children and, and, and our education systems and our, just all, all, through the, all through the community, there is very specific attacks of the enemy. And we have to be specific about what we go after. We have to grab something and say, oh, we're on the earth right here and right now to enact justice in this situation. I'm not going after all the lions. I'm going after that lion. I'm not going after all the bears. I'm going to that bear. And there's one giant right there. And I'm going after that giant. Right? So you get specific about your aggression. You get specific, not, and it's like, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not, I'm not going after people. I'm going after the spirit that people are yielding to because those people are actually not walking in justice because they don't know who they are. I want those people to be so free that they know that what they've been doing is totally ridiculous. That's what happened with Paul, right? When he, used to, he was killing Christians. God's desire was not for Paul to be punished. It was for justice so Paul could be made right. Praise God. This is what judges do. Right? A judge's role is not to punish. A judge's role is to divide rightness from, from unrightness. And, and you make the decision which way you're going to choose with that. I can't choose for people. But I can at least allow justice to come in the earth. Now, oh my goodness. Um, I love, I love David because he, he didn't become a victim to what had happened. He didn't allow the situation to tell him who he was within the situation. That's, a, oh, that's what the strategy is always trying to get you to do. The situation is trying to get you to determine, try, trying to, to dictate to you who you are in the situation. And so when something gets stolen, something gets lost, whatever, the problem is, is, that, is that when we 
when circumstances come and go without the activation of God's power, people tend to form false doctrines. Because situations come and go, and they go, well, I guess it must be God's will that, you know, lions and bears show up and take things. Or I guess God must be teaching me something with the lion and the bear. Or I guess this is just what happens sometimes. None of that's true. The problem was, you know, the problem is if a lion and a bear came, it's because something didn't get activated. And it doesn't mean we, you know, here's a funny thing I, I found just about human psychology here, is that we are always looking for a villain and a victim. Either we become the victim or we become the villain. We can become a victim to something, and if, if we're not the victim to it, then we usually make ourselves the villain. Well, I guess it's because we weren't doing what we were supposed to do. Well, maybe not, but so what? Move on. You know, change. How about that? You know, but don't, don't wallow around in your own victimization with you being the villain in your life. Man, it, it paralyzes Christians. Because Christians will be like, well, I guess I'm just not spiritual enough. I'm just, no, you know what? Even if I'm unfaithful, God's still faithful because he can't deny himself. So why don't we just let this about be about God's bigness in us. That greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Praise God. And get over it. The Bible says, if, if, if my heart condemns me, God's greater than my heart. Praise God. I just have to humble myself and be like, you know what? Hey, yeah, I blew it. Yeah, you know what? I didn't do it right the last thousand times. Okay, I get it. But it, that doesn't mean that it has to be a thousand and one. Right. It just means i got to get over myself and humble myself to God and say, no, God's in me. He didn't change. And so I, just, I love God so much, but what happens is when circumstances come and the same circumstance happens over and over again without the people of God standing up, then false, false doctrine gets formed. And we start creating a narrative that's not true at all. And when Jesus showed up, he began to challenge the narrative of man's position to everything else. And so Jesus is like, no, I, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this is what it looks like for a child of God to walk in righteousness on the earth. And this is what it looks like to have authority on the earth. And this is what it looks like. And he's questioning everything about the disciples because he's like, why are you even afraid right now? What's the problem? Just speak to it and it'll change. What's the big deal? Because he's walking in authority and he's trying, to, he's trying to reconcile their minds to their authority. And the problem is our minds are not reconciled to our authority most of the time. And so we tend to allow the lion and the bear and the giant to tell us what's really going on. And it's just not true. Now, and so, like I said, it takes aggression sometimes. You know, I remember you know, years and years ago back when I lived in Tulsa, um, and Rachel, she, she probably remembers this. Uh, this is before we were married, but... Uh, uh, at the Bible school I went to, they had a little park there, and um, and they had a little stream in it, a little little pond area, whatever. And it, you know, it was a nice little park for families to come and have a good time. Well, they they had these big fat white geese. You know what I'm talking about? I don't even know what they're called. Yeah, they're like this tall, you know, and they're big fat white geese, you know. And I, what I heard was those, those geese. They didn't bring them there. They just kind of came there one time and just landed there and just never left. And there was a whole bunch of them, a big gaggle of geese, right? And there's a big old geese. And um, I don't know if you know much about those geese, but uh, they can have an attitude. Yes. And, uh, and, man, these geese, honestly, I would watch these geese chase people around. I am not joking. One time I'm sitting there and I'm watching, and, and the, this family was trying to have a picnic, and the kids were jumping up on the, on the, on the you know, picnic tables because the geese were tormenting them. And I see people running from these geese because these geese, and they get, you know, they, they, they get like, like a gang, you know what I'm saying? They're like, rawr, 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 you know, and they're just like going after people. And I'm like, this is ridiculous, you know. Well, anyway, I'm walking through. I'm just walking through the park, and, uh, and I'm just minding my own business, and I see this goose start walking over toward me. And there was about seven or eight geese behind it a little ways, uh, but it was, the, you know, it was the leader of the gang, you know what I'm talking about? And so it's coming over toward me. And I turn, I go, listen. I just told it, no, we're not doing anything here. I'm just walking through this park, and, you know, we're not, we're not going to have any problems today. You know, and, um, and so I start walking, and I notice it's following me, getting closer to me. And I turn, I said, listen, we're not going to have any issues here today, you know. And the closer it gets, the closer the ones behind it get. You know, it start, they're all like, oh, you know, and they're all being a gang, you know. And, um, and so... So third time, I said, listen, hey, we're not it can't get getting closer and closer, you know, and uh, come up behind me. I said, listen, if you do anything here, I'm going to kick you in the head. 
That's what's going to happen right now. And so, uh, so and I, during the, at that time, I wore steel toed boots like everywhere I went, you know. And so, so I had my steel toed boots on because I wore them every day. And, um, and so, sure enough, I start walking and I look down and it nips me in the back of the heel. No. So I, I just turned around, booted that thing in the head, and its, its neck just, you know, and, and instantly the ones that were behind it turned around, you know, and it, it turned around too, and it left. So what was I doing? I was reconciling the goose. It, it did not know who I was. Other people allowed that goose to tell them who they were. But see, that was unjust because I'm a human being on this earth. The lion and the bear didn't know who David was. They didn't know because they were used to dealing with men and that didn't ever stand up. You understand? But, okay, <laughs> we got to get this. That our, 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 our prosperity, our security, our freedom, our strength, everything in us and everything we walk in is not designed to come from our ability, but from our authority. And when we don't know our authority, then those things are, are relinquished to a, a level of ability where we try to become more and do more and produce more instead of steward more. We're supposed to be stewarding heaven into the earth, not producing heaven in the earth. We're supposed to be actually a stewarding God's power in the earth. I don't know how to heal the sick, but I can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I don't have to produce healing. God never told me to do that. He just said steward it. Right? He said just lay hands on the sick. He never told me how. You know how many things God never tells us how to do? Yeah. I love it. Because I look through the Word and He's like, Be strong and Lord in the power of His might. I love that verse. I don't know how to do that. He doesn't say, Here's how you do this. He goes, Yeah, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. How do you do any of that stuff? He never tells me how to do it. He just tells me to do it. Right? right. There's not a lot of instructions in this. It's just commissions. Because everything he doesn't tell me how to do, it's because I already have it in me to do it. See, that's the good thing. I don't have to sit there and mentally try to figure it out. I just have to activate it. He planned it this way. You know, babies learn how to walk not because they get a a manual on it. They don't don't watch YouTube videos on how to walk, right? They literally have it in them to walk. So they walk because they have, have an inherent ability they haven't activated yet. Okay, we got to get that. God's design was for mankind to live based on inherent strength and ability rather than based on experience. That baby has no experience walking, but he begins to walk based on an inherent nature to do so. Right? And he gives us daily an example that we're supposed to be living by. Right? That these kids are learning how to speak and walk and do all these things based on an inherent nature instead of based on experience. And so when he says, heal the sick, it's because I have the, nature, the, the inherent nature to do it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I don't have to have the experience or even understand the ability. I just have to go and do it. Yes. And that's what releases it. Yes. See, this is where authority... Uh, oh, man. He never designed anything in my life to come through ability. He intended to come through His nature in me. Through authority. Amen. And that authority in the, in the earth begins to reconcile things to the earth. Yes. Mm. The lion and the bear, once again, they didn't understand David in the situation. <laughs> and so they looked at David like they did any other shepherd, and they said, our ability will determine what's going to happen here today. <laughs> didn't work out too well for him. But you see, now, did David's ability change? No. Was he stronger than the lion or the bear? Was he faster? Did he have sharper teeth or anything else? See, if David would have been weighing all that out, he would have never went after him. Authority never weighs out the situation. It's not foolishness, it's understanding authority. Authority doesn't weigh out the situation. Authority doesn't say, well, maybe I need to pray harder about that. Are you trying to produce something? Or do you have authority here? I'm not saying, I love prayer. You understand? I love to pray. But I'm never praying to produce. I'm, I'm praying to change the way I think. So I can see myself the right way in the situation. 
Because when I see myself the right way, like David saw himself the right way, he actually got up and he said, no, wait a minute. It doesn't matter how much stronger you are naturally than me. It doesn't matter how much faster you are naturally than me. You don't understand I have authority here. And without authority, okay, let me put it this way. With man's authority, the food chain, the food chain shifts. Because since David had authority over those sheep, those sheep are no longer on the food chain to that lion, that bear. The food chain shifts when we stand up in authority. You understand? The, the natural way things are supposed to be done shifts. Because within our authority, blind man sees. Within authority, the, the, the dead are raised. Within authority, people walk on water. Within authority, everything is, is, is a place of ease and there is no threat anymore. Praise God. But what we have to do with this, is this okay? Are we getting it? Okay. We, we, man. Judges what a judge does is it reinstitutes love as the authority. It reinstitutes love as the authority so that people can walk in rightness without the perception of a threat. Isn't this a good place to be? So there's rest. There's no rest in the world, but there's rest in the kingdom. And when people see this church and when they come into this church, they should understand there's a different thing here. This is a people who have rest. Not, not, not just striving and striving and trying to make it work and trying to figure it out. No, we're just resting because we're in authority. And now, I love Jesus, once again, what he did is he, he, he uh, reconciled justice back into the earth. And so he's my high priest of justice. He's already done it for me. Now I'm entering into what he's already done. Now, uh, you know, one of the things that we have to do, just a couple things as I, as I wrap things up, is our role in this, number one, we have to acknowledge the anointing on our lives. We have to acknowledge it. What, what did Paul, Paul said this in 2 Timothy, right, uh, in chapter 1, right, in verse 6 and 7. He says, stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Stir it up. He goes, because God's not given you, what, the spirit of fear, but what? Power, love, and a sound mind. Right? You see, that's justice. When, when I'm walking in justice, I understand the power, I understand the love, and I understand that I have a sound mind. Right? But without that, I'm going to walk in fear. That's where the world is, right? It's getting deeper and deeper into fear. They have no power, no love, and no sound mind. And now, but Paul said, you got to stir up the gift, though. That's part of it. you got to stir up the gift. You have to acknowledge the anointing on the inside of you. Acknowledge that even though you may, you may not even feel anointed, doesn't mean you're not anointed. You may not have any experience in the anointing, doesn't mean you're not anointed. Like that baby has no experience walking. He walks anyway, right? He just walks. And yeah, it looks weird at first, right? That baby's like, whoa, 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 you know, and it's what and it takes him some getting used to, but it's still his nature to do it. Just because he falls down doesn't mean it's not his nature. Just because he doesn't get it down the first time doesn't mean it's not his nature. You have to challenge your experience so you walk in your nature. Because your experience will try to tell you to shut up and sit down. Your experience will try to tell you, yeah, you've been here before. Look how it worked out. Your experience will try to rob your passion. It'll try to take your passion out of you so that you just say, well, maybe this is just how it is. No, it's not. God is God, and He is on the throne, and Jesus is Lord over all, and He's on the inside of us. And we need to begin to allow the anointing of God to question and challenge and say, nope, if I'm anointed by God, then this can't stand. Right? And begin to go after the line, go after the bear, use some aggression about some things, and let God's delivering power show up in the middle of your aggression. Yeah. Praise God. I tell you, it just gets me fired up because I'm thinking about just how, how, what it looks like, what it looks like to have justice reigning in the earth. It looks like heaven on earth. And are we not supposed to be praying that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as in heaven? That's literally our anointing is to get heaven to look into the earth. And so... Uh, but so with that, the, the, one, one of the things, as we begin to um, stir up the anointing of God on the inside, what I mean by the anointing is kind of a churchy word, but when I mean, what I mean by the anointing, it just means that you are empowered by God to do a specific thing, and you're empowered by heaven's power, not the earth's power. You're doing something that you are not equipped to do on this earth. You're doing something that literally the power comes only from heaven. Yes. You know, even my ability to, to stand up here and speak, you, uh, God, 
That only comes from heaven. You understand? I, you know, if, when people, if, if they saw me you know, when I was a kid, you know how people are. They look at like, you know, Pastor Arby, you know, people look at you like, oh yeah, you've always been that way. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> I, was, I was toxically afraid of public speaking. I hated it with a passion. I, I hated public speaking. I, I did not want to be in ministry at all. It was not on, even on the back of my list. I had a whole lot of other things I'd rather do at that time. And I didn't like people. <laughs> I really couldn't stand people. I mean, you, you know, you know people, right? <laughs> Can you blame me for, you know, anyway. But, uh, but understand, it's, uh, but God's big, right? God looked at all that and he just laughed. He's like, okay, yeah, we're going to have fun with this, you know? And, uh, and, but understand, that's the anointing. The anointing comes up. The anointing rises up. But I have to put a demand on the anointing. I have to acknowledge the anointing. I can't wait for a feeling to go and do it. I go and do it, and the feeling shows up. Amen. Praise God. I've, there's times when I've laid hands on the sick and not felt anything. Not one little goosebump. Man, I like the feelings, though, right? We like the feelings. We like the goosebumps. We like the whole thing. I felt nothing, and I believed God's Word. Amen. And people get healed. Praise God. Oh, praise God, he's so good. But we have to acknowledge it. But when we acknowledge the anointing, understand the anointing will challenge your current thoughts and the anointing will challenge your past and the anointing will reconcile your past to God's truth. Allow him to do it. What I mean by that is don't hold on to your past and expect the anointing to work in your life. We have to allow him to reconcile our past to his truth. Because we have all kinds of weird questions, right? We're like, why did that happen? Why did this happen? And if I, I thought I was in faith over here, and I thought I was believing God over here. Move on. Because all those questions will hold you back from the anointing on your life. You've got to move on. And as you begin to flow in the anointing, those questions will be answered, but the answers will not look like what you thought they were going to look like. But when we're holding our heart hostage and saying... Well, we don't say it out of our mouths, but we live this way sometimes, where we hold our hostage and we say, well, I, I really need this answered before I do this or before I step out or whatever. No, no, that's pride. Give your heart to God. Jesus is Lord over that. Let him be Lord over all those questions. Let him be Lord over all the whatabouts and the what ifs. And I thought, and I thought, and I thought, well, that didn't get you anywhere, so stop thinking. Just, you know, <laughs> keep, keep going with God. Now, but with that, uh, you know, we, we have to understand that as, as, we, as we allow the anointing to be stirred up, the last thing that we have to do in this is we have to readjust our standard for normal. Because we will never steward something that we don't think is normal. Because it will be unnatural to us. He wants, he wants heaven to be natural to us. Yeah. We shouldn't feel weird when we get to heaven. Yeah. He wants heaven to be natural to us so much on the earth that we steward it from a place of just normal lifestyle. That we're not trying to produce it. That we're not trying to you know, grit our teeth and make something come to pass. It's just normal. It's just natural. Healing and health was natural to Jesus. Fear was so abnormal, he didn't understand it. He didn't understand why the disciples were afraid when the boat was filling up with water. You know, they woke him up, right? He was asleep. The Holy Spirit didn't wake him up. It was the disciples that woke him up. In one of the accounts in the Gospels, he rebukes the disciples first before he talks to the winds and waves. I love that. He didn't wake up and go, oh, man, we're just in time. I'm glad you woke me up. You know, he rips open, he's like super Jesus, rips open shirt, he's like, yeah, let me just speak to this. No, he didn't do that. He goes, where is your faith? Why are you even afraid? I don't understand this. Because he's not coming from a kingdom of fear. There's no fear in him. There's only power, love, and of a sound mind. And he's going, what is the issue here? You have authority, you know? And, and it, I love this because, you know, he, he, when, when he's walking on the water and Peter sees him and Peter has to adjust his thought process in a moment and say, if it's you, then I'm supposed to be with you. Yes, amen. If that's really you, you're not trying to show off. You're, you're trying to invite me to a different consciousness. Yep. You're inviting me to a different relationship than I've always had with water. Yes. Right? 
Right? And so we need to understand that Jesus is not, he's not, my, you know, he, he's not trying to show off. He's not even somebody on a pedestal that I'm living up to. He's my reflection. He's literally the guy that reflects who I am. He could have come and died on a cross one day after being on the earth and he would have paid the price for sin. But he, instead he spent three and a half years ministering. Why? He could have died the first day. Does that make sense? I mean, he was righteous, right? He could have died as a sinless lamb the first day if that was the whole story. But he didn't. He took three and a half years to show us who we are. Not to show off who God is, but to show us who we are. And we have to adjust our normal. I remember I was, I was, I was watching an interview. Rachel and I watched this interview years ago. And it was with, this was back when Prince William and Prince Harry were like teenagers. And uh, like, you know, 18, 19, wherever they were, somewhere, older teenagers. And the, the lady's interviewing them and just talking about their life and everything else. And she asks this question and she says, she says, um, she goes, uh, were you ever able to live a normal childhood because of all of the bodyguards and all the, the, the stuff you guys had to, were taught and everything? Were you ever able to live a normal childhood? And right when she said that, I said something out of my mouth and Prince Harry said the same thing in stereo. We both said, well, that's a stupid question. Uh, I, I said, that's a, and he's like, that's a stupid question. I'm like, hey, it's awesome. Because uh, he, he goes, it is normal to us. They have no other gauge for normal. And when he said that, God spoke to me. He goes, you need to adjust your normal. Yes, I do. Because my normal is the only thing I will steward in the earth. My normal is the place where I'm going to be at peace and rest. Everything else I'm going to strive for. If I don't believe I'm worthy of it, if I believe somehow it's... Okay. <laughs> Heaven is not extra for us. Heaven is not a great splendorous favor to us. It's, it's not above and beyond. It's normal. It's the only just thing for me. Anything less than heaven is unjust. Anything less than what I was designed for is unjust. I want you to get that right now. Anything less is unjust. Healing is not a favor. It's not just an added bonus. It is the only just thing. Amen. Okay, are we getting this? <laughs> Come on. Because we have to, if I, I will only steward what's normal to me. If it's extra, I'm not going to steward it. If it's something, a bonus that God somehow gives me because of His benevolence toward me, His great kindness toward me, then I'm not going to steward it. It's just. It's my justice. It's the only thing just for who I am as a child of the living God. See, the lion and the bear try to tell me what's normal. It's not normal. The giant tries to tell me what's normal. That's not normal. What's normal is for me to walk in authority. What's normal is for me to speak and have it be done. Authority never argues with anything. I don't know about your parents. <laughs> I mean, we have a generation of people who argue with your kids. That's not authority, right? It's because they're still trying to get acceptance from their children, and I won't get into that. But anyway, <laughs> but authority. My mom, <laughs> when, when she got to a certain point, you know, I don't know if you know what I mean, but, you know, there was a certain point where it, there's one thing where she'd be like, Dad, do this, do this, blah, 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 blah. She'd kind of go, whatever. And after a while, when, when, you know, you, you'd kind of like, white noise would happen, you know, after a while as a kid, you know. Kids just kind of get in that white noise where you're like, you hear your mom, but you don't really hear your mom because you've heard it so many times, you know. Well, there was a certain point my mom would get to <laughs> that you knew it wasn't white noise. You better not take that as white noise, right? Because she would speak so softly. And when she would say, you know, she would use your middle name, you know what I'm talking about, the middle name, and she'd be like, Daryl Leroy, Ooh. oh man, my ears, like, what do you want? <laughs> because, you know, this is not white noise, this is a voice of authority. She's not arguing with me, she's not trying to prove a point, she's not trying to get her way across, she's standing in a position of authority. See, when we're, volume is not the issue, but the heart of the attitude behind our voices are the issue. If we're still arguing with the enemy, we don't understand authority. If we're still trying to tell him what to do, we don't understand authority yet. We just speak. Authority just speaks. 
we carry the nature of God Himself on the inside of us. His normal is my normal. And that's why He wants me to actually operate as children of God on the earth. And it says in Romans chapter 8 that the whole world is crying out and groaning and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God to step up. It's waiting to be reconciled. But we don't have to wait to heaven to get that. It's right here. It's right now. Amen? Amen. I need to wrap it up. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You, Lord God. We just humble ourselves to Your Word. We humble ourselves to our role, Father God, as a judge in the earth, establishing justice, establishing a culture of rightness, establishing a culture of rest and peace, establishing love as the authority over this community. And I thank you for right now, Lord God. Yeah. We allow, Father God, authority to determine who we are. We allow our identity as children of God to tell us who we are. And we thank you, Lord God. If there's any area of our life, Father God, that we need to forgive ourselves for, we just do that. We forgive ourselves, Father God, for not standing up. We forgive ourselves, Lord God. We allow your forgiveness over us to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, praise God. And we thank you. It's your justice that does that. You are faithful and you are just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Yeah. And I just thank you, Lord God, that from, from now on, Lord God, I thank you that we can stir up the gift and begin to see what lion do we need to go after? What bear do we need to go after? What giant do we need to get aggressive about, Father God, to let your delivering power activate in this community, in this earth? I thank you, Lord God. Show us what normal is to you. Show us what normal is to us. And I just thank you right now. We just give everything over to you and we allow this truth to resound in our heart, act as a compass to our heart. We just give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Pastor Harvey. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.